What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and I'm here with Ingber's Hammer. Oh, what's How you feeling, on? buddy? I like that. I'm the hammer now? I, uh, I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's been a, Vegas. It's been a crazy week. Holy crap. Um, did you enjoy Vegas? Did you have fun? I did. I, uh, the one regret I have is I wasn't with you at the craps table when it seemed oh. like everyone and their mother was earning a grand, at least. Oh, man. When you win in Vegas, it's a beautiful city. And when you win in craps, it's a beautiful time. But Vegas and craps can both turn very quickly. Well, that's why I really like the flight to Vegas on like a Friday afternoon and everyone's hopeful. Everyone's going to win money. And then the flight back on like Sunday night. I took the red eye, you know, and like people have mixed emotions on that flight. Oh, man. It's, uh, no, we had a good time. Ingber's a big time poker player. Uh, and I enjoy sitting next to him at the poker table, uh, as you steal people's souls. You, you held your own at that table. I did. Okay. You made some money. Uh, it's good. When you're there, I get more loose and then I say, screw it. And then I'll just throw bets out there on the river and people fold. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Sure. Sure. Uh, but no, it's fun watching you take people's souls. And no, I then, doubled up. I doubled up on the weekend. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, I was able to kind of bankroll all of my future bets, mm-hmm. which was nice. Uh, so a few things. Uh, this, what I have right here, is a super contest card. I'm officially in the super contest. If you follow the Lefko show on Instagram, uh, and it says Lefko's Locks is my team name, uh, which means that this year, uh, as part of the content where we're going to do on our betting show on Thursdays with a special guest host who I can't announce yet, I will be making my super contest picks, which is you pick five games against the spread. Uh, and if you are the most accurate at the end of the year, so five times 16 is what, Mr. Mathwiz? Oh my God. Or times seven. Five times 17 yeah. is going to be 50, 50 plus 35 is 85, yeah. Um, if we're the most accurate, we will make $1.4 million. After tax, about 600 k So a fair, fair, nice little is payroll. really? Uh, you lose 800000 Oh, I'm sorry. I meant 800 k You'd lose 600000 Let's talk about that really quick. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, to all the homies, the young homies that are like just getting paychecks for the first time. And then you see your taxes come out. There is no more harrowing experience there was than a, seeing taxes. There was a viral video of someone whose like younger brother just got his first paper route, you know, and he got his first paycheck and it was he was expecting to make, I don't know, three hundred dollars, oh. but it was actually like one ninety and he's just like breaks down crying. That really is that is the moment where you're sitting at home and you're doing the math and you're like, I'm gonna make this much mm-hmm. money, I'll be able to afford this, and then the paycheck comes in, you're like, What the F? But then once you get a little bit older, you're like, But it is nice having roads. And it's, yeah. nice, it's nice having police forces and stuff. But I want to give a special shout out to uh, Bill Krakenberger, Crack Wins, uh, and his guy Esposito, and, and all the people at the Crack Wins account. Uh, they're bankrolling me. Yeah, they want to. They want to hang out. We're going to compete with Crack during the year. And guess what? He's not even the special guest gambling host. So that will be announced sometime next week, I think. But I think we'll we'll hear from Crack at some. We're point We're going to hear season. from Crack. We're going to be competing. He's my proxy for people that don't know what that is. I'm going to tell him what picks I want, and you have to enter in Vegas. So he will be going to the window. One of the greatest gamblers in the world right now is making my picks for me. And I did find that really strange that you can't email your picks or there's not some internal server where you can upload your picks or something like that. You physically have to have a human being go into the Westgate and... and I think it's the- because like a legal gambling, like, like otherwise people could just be gambling all over the place where it's not legal. 
I don't sure. know. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they must have their reasons for it. I, I was just surprised when I learned that fact. So the fact that you now have a proxy who is oh. in Vegas 24-7, you know, it's nice. It's, and it's funny, I was like walking up to the window with crack and like people being like, hey, what's up, man? And being mm-hmm. like, oh, man, you really are the guy here. That's crazy. And then Kelly in Vegas uh, works at Bleacher Report and was also in that action showtime. Uh, she sent me a picture of somebody's at a different contest their team name was not Lefko's Lock. <laughs> and I don't know who it is. I love that, though. So I'm wondering, are they trying to get the good juju? Because as all of our listeners know, people love to come for my neck mm-hmm. because of the name Lefko's Locks. Mm-hmm. And if if somebody wins a super contest with a name not Lefko's Locks, that's incredible. it's going to fucking kill me. No, I think that's great. It okay, is. so wait. So you have 85 picks that you're going to make. I mean... No one can expect to win this thing. There's just going to be a lot no. of coin flips out there, a lot of bad the, beats, the a lot of average. Weird most people set around fifty percent. Okay. Professional gamblers are shooting for fifty-five percent. Right. If you hit sixty percent, you're incredible. And Crack has told me that the winning percentage for the last few years has been seventy percent. So some people just go on these wild season-long rides of hitting seventy percent winners against the spread. So you'd basically have to be like. 60 and 15 or 59 and 16 on the year, which is yeah, we're trying to average around like 3.5 for a week out of five, Ugh. which is insane. That's crazy. Oh, so how are you going to pick your five games? You're just going to feel it out. Like, uh, well, you I'm can gonna, pick any of the five I'm games. I'm planning the whole to slate. use a little bit of the expertise from the special guest host gambling guy. Uh, I'm going to pick his brain. I have a feeling I'm going to be competing against crack, so I'm not going to pick his brain. Mm. Um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I always do, and you haven't experienced this yet, which is just 24 hours of pouring over numbers and going back and <laughs> forth and back and forth and saying, I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, really when you realize it's a 50-50 draw, but you're sitting there freaking out over a third-string cornerback, and it's not even going to impact the game, nothing challenges your ability to know football more mm-hmm. than gambling on football. Can I give you a suggestion of how I pick games? Sure. Uh, Are and you I'm good at picking games. I'm okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I've, if I was Sass. great at it, I'd be in Vegas. Great confidence. Man. I'm just telling you, if you have, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm just telling you, if you have uh, like a, a coin flip or something. What I like to do is I like to sit down and guess what the line would be. If I say to myself, that's what I do too. If I say like, okay, yes. Ravens three and a half, and then I look online, it's actually Ravens one and a half. I'm like, okay, now I found an yes. inefficiency. So you have to set the lines because I found that if you look at the lines first, they influence you and 100%. they make you think that a team is better what than I it do. Is is I go through um, and I go through all the games straight up and I circle who I think is going to win the game. Then look at the lines. And then I look at the lines and if there's any games in which that team is the underdog, I'm like, that's what I'm going to bet on. Smart. That's Yeah, because if you look at the lines first, you're fucked. Right. Because they like, influence the hell out of you. Of course. Yeah. You're like, oh, if Caesars believes that this team's six and a half points better. And then but- when you talk to like the Warren Sharps and the Bill Krakenbergers of the world, you realize that's not the line of what they think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's the line to influence betting. You're like, oh, this is this is crazy. Right. I would like to announce, though, uh, I did use Crack and I did use Sharp. I did use Bill Krakenberger and I did use Sharp to help me make my season long bets. Yes. If you want to jump on these with me, be more than willing to do it. I'm going to bring in the tickets. I'm going to put them up on the wall Love that. because I think we need to remind ourselves and with their help, 
These are the five bets that I've come up with that I've already put $1,000 of my own money. God bless that craps table for hooking me up. I literally was like, and I'm using this for other gambling. So it's not $1,000 of your own money. It's $1,000 of Caesar's money. Yeah, thanks a lot, Caesar. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Thanks to Ben for that hot roll. For those of you, like, I'm not not here saying that you guys should go gamble. I learned how to play craps from Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm from our Tahoe trip. And the other rule of craps is as soon as you lose or as soon as you win, leave. Get out of there. Which is a wild thing to mm-hmm. say. Um, and it's hard in the moment when you feel the juice going. Oh, dude. Same with blackjack, right? Your, your, oh, your stack's gone from 500 to 900. And it's like, just leave, dude. Get out of here. By the way, I never asked you, what did you think of the way I play blackjack? Uh, well, I, <laughs> the thing that I was fascinated by was you were looking for a $25 minimum table. Yeah. And I was like, okay, $25 is still a lot of action on one, you know, one hand. But then you were up to $50, $75, $100 a hand, like within five minutes. I'm like, dude, what are you searching for? Because really what it comes down to, by the way, you know how I lost that last one? I went back with 200 I turned it into seven. So I, I was able to leave. <laughs> yeah. I felt pretty good. Get out of there. But it, it's really, I can't believe we're talking this much about gambling. We just got back from Vegas. Back the fuck off. Um, it's really it comes down to the dealer. There, like, there will be dealers that I will sit down and go, I hate this person. Mm. And I'm not the kind of person that talks crap to the dealers. I think those people are sick that they're like, thanks a lot for that. I'm like, fuck you. Like, but when they, that's when I need a lower minimum to wait them out. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a shift change yep. or I'm waiting for a new shoe. Cause like, I want the minimums to be low when I'm like, I'm not, nope, 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 nope. And that's such a sick feeling. Okay. Anyway. Five bets. The one that I put the there are two that I put the most money down on, but one of them is the Eagles winning the NFC East. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a more popular bet now, but I think I got it at like minus one fifty. I think I put two hundred and eighty dollars on it. Eagles winning the NFC East. It's the rare time where something I believe, something I'm rooting for, and something that the sharps are all over a line. Mm-hmm. And for me. I want. I already have twenty dollars on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl at twenty to one. Great. So, like, let's keep going. Yeah. Um, that's going to be really shitty when they shit the bed this year. Uh, second one is one that I did that I'm not sure about, but the sharps were all over. Was Seahawks missing the playoffs? Um, I think that it, I. It makes a lot of sense for my football brain, which is. The Rams are going to be competitive. I expect the Niners to be a lot better. Mm -hmm. I think there's three teams in the NFC North that are fighting for a spot. There are two or three teams in the South, whether it's Saints, Panthers, and the Falcons play 13 straight games in a dome to start the season, and then Eagles-Cowboys. So really what you're betting there is the Rams could be better than the Seahawks, and then there's six teams fighting for that other wild card spot. So I understand it. I also don't like betting against Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll at the same point. Their defense with Earl Thomas leaving, and I know that they performed well with him being gone last year. They also lose Frank Clark. Uh, I'm still not sure about that offensive line. Uh, And no one's really talking about this a lot. Doug Baldwin's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize how big of a deal that was, especially when um, uh, their their big time wide receiver who has a K in their name and sc- screw the uh, the big one. Oh, DK Metcalf. Thank you. Yeah. Fuck the fantasy footballers that keep confusing <laughs> DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry. Sure. And he just did it to me. So screw you, Hitman. <laughs> um, but 
I, I look at that and go, Doug Baldwin was so reliable for them yeah. and made so many big catches, and now it's the Tyler Lockett show. Can I also say Doug Baldwin is my number one I want to be friends with him NFL player of all time? Really? I did a thing with him. I was in a room with him for like a half hour, and I was kind of directing a, a thing that he was shooting. And by the end, I was like, I just want to be friends with you. Smart guy. Smart. Just Good dude. Seemed like genuinely funny and yes. engaged. And I was like, I just, yeah, he's he's one of my top picks for want to be friends with. So that's one where I go, I could totally see the Seahawks making the playoffs, but all the Sharps were like, love this one. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. All right, next one is a team that I was doubting and the Sharps love. And when you think about it, it makes a little bit of sense. Carolina over eight. At first, I was like, I'm afraid of Cam Newton's shoulder. I was like, sure, they started off really strong last year, and then they faded, and like, I I don't know if I trust Greg Olson. Um, Sharps were all over it. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I aligned with that. Really, I just suckered out and bet all the ones that the Sharps (laughs) were like, crack kind of sold me on Well, they spend the time doing it. You spend your time doing other kinds of prep for your podcast and for your show and for whatever other stuff. Oh, dude, I can make a case that the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to win the South. Like, that's why it's really hard for me to bet during the season because I go, well, what if? Let the people who spend their hours of their day doing this stuff, let the cracks of the world Yeah, so then my job is to pass it along because— as I've always said, if I get access to somebody, I want the uh, the 33%. If I have access to some of the best gamblers in the world right. and I can get their information for free, I'm going to pass it along to the 33%. So Eagles win the NFC East, Seahawks miss the playoffs, Carolina over eight, Baltimore over eight, I feel really good about. Okay. The, the Baltimore Ravens are zigging when everyone else is zagging right now. And if I'm going to be super confident about Pete Carroll, I believe that you should have that same towards John Harbaugh because Harbaugh has shown that every year he's competitive. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the fact that if with the ceiling of what Earl Thomas and um, and those guys can bring to that defense, if they're healthy, they, they're going to stay at the same level. We know about Wink Martindale, Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator, and, and how big they are up, at, up front. And if they're willing to move on from C.J. Mosley, they've built C.J. Mosley's in the past. And I, I think that I, I trust that team a lot defensively. Offensively, I am very high on this team compared to what all of the PFF people are saying. And I'm not just talking about Lamar Jackson. This is a team that went, what, 6-1 and one with Lamar Jackson down the stretch last yeah. year. I believe that Lamar Jackson's going to be a lot better, and we're going to have a whoa big offseason coming up about him again. But I also look at this stable of running backs, whether it's Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, the, running, the rookie running back Justice Hill. I look at their wide receivers, and I see Miles Boykin, the, the rookie, but also the kid Hollywood Brown. Then you factor in Willie Sneed, who I love a lot, but also like four or five tight ends. Mark Edwards, Edwards, Nick Boyle, um, uh, Hayden Hurst, who they took in the first round, and an offensive line, they have the tools to bash people's faces in. The entire NFL is going pass, 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 and the Ravens are going, it's like facing Georgia Tech in college football. (laughs) All year you're playing passing, and then here comes the triple option, and it's like, no, you need to tackle for 70 plays. So, And you have Justin Tucker. And and just the offense got so much better when Joe Flacco left. They're just a very and and my my better mind says to bet against the Cleveland Browns. And I also think that the the Steelers have to take a step back, right? So I love Ravens over eight. And the other one is Washington under six. I can't believe that Washington is even that high. 
Uh, I think the lowest in the NFL right now, I think the Dolphins are at like four and a half. Um, but Washington was at six and a half. It's come down to six. But I look at this team. I think Case Keenum's going to be starting. I don't expect Trent Brown, uh, not Trent Brown, um, Trent Williams to play at all this year. I, I also go, I know I love Washington's defense and, and, and uh, Greg Minuski and what he can do. But I just have to think that when your team captain doesn't trust the fucking team, the ripple effects must be crazy. Mm-hmm. Must be crazy. So I love Washington under six. I have a prediction for this bet because we're going to be following it throughout the oh, whole season. Oh, they're going to be at five for like the last three weeks. I was going to say it's going to be they're going to be like two and seven or two and eight, and you're going to say one thing where you're like, "Oh, that bet's locked up." You're going to slip. Never. And you're, no, you're going to slip, and you're you going to be like, "You don't know me that well." I will <laughs> never talk that. Like I saw something on the BR betting page where they're like, "All we got to do is hit this last one," and I was like, "Bet you they don't hit that last one." Right. Never talk about it. And I'm going to say this to you now. If you ever say something about my bets, I out. will hold you wholly responsible for them. <laughs> it just strikes me as the sort of thing, because every year there's that team that's like two and six, two and seven, two oh, and eight. Yeah. You forget about them, then they win like four of their last five or whatever. I feel like that could be the last the year I had, I had Miami. I had Miami over seven and I had Buffalo under six. Mm, Miami had seven. Buffalo had five going into the final week of the year right. playing each other. Ah, and I pushed both because Buffalo beat Miami, so I lost both. I not put, lost, but you t- I pushed. You pushed. You got your money back, yeah. But uh, those are the bets. Eagles win the NFC East. Washington under six. Baltimore over eight. Carolina over eight. Seahawks miss the playoffs. Um, and really, I, I really should be listening to because you've already won one bet. Eddie fucking Panero is seemingly right now the kicker for the Chicago Bears. Elliot Fry uh, was cut, and I'm I wanna- not convinced Panero is going to be their kicker though. Because have oh. you seen the Carly Lloyd clips from this morning? No, what was that? Carly Lloyd, World Cup champion. She had a hat trick in the uh, the World Cup yep. final previous 2015. She came in and she just knocked a 40-yarder through, then knocked a 55-yarder through. At like, like Eagles it was, practice, Like right? it was nothing. And I'm saying, like, if, if you're if you're the Chicago Bears and Eddie Panero's starting to look like a head case at some point, I'm, I'm rooting for you, Eddie Panero. I'm just yeah. saying, like, Carly Lloyd is in your rearview mirror right now. I also think that it might not be Eddie Panero because... This is the first year in a long time where there's like three or four kickers on other teams. Carolina had one, has one. Baltimore already traded theirs to Minnesota, mm-hmm. where they're like, they're 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 trotting them out there in preseason to try and get like a sixth or a seventh round pick back. Right. And and Chicago already played the Panthers, and the dude on the Panthers, the backup to Graham Gano, went three for three, and like one of them was like fifty six yards or something like that. <laughs> they could still go through all this and then try and steal somebody. Yeah, they might just be doing a little like negotiation. But, but you subterfuge. won this round, and and you're blaming Elliot Fry's social media account. I'm not blaming it. I'm just saying that uh, when choosing a random guy of this guy over that guy, you know Eddie Panero. I'm glad I went with him because his entire Instagram is just football. football, all the time football. And look, everyone's allowed to have a fun social life. I'm sure that he's not 100% football all the time. I'm sure he likes to play video games or watch TV or whatever he does. But the fact that I looked on his Instagram and the only things you can find going back to May of 2016 is football. Yeah, with with Elliot Fry, though. Yeah, Yeah, there was was bikini pictures. There was Christmas parties. And look, I don't begrudge the guy. (laughs) Have a life. I'm just saying for the fun of talking about these guys, yeah. So congrats. Thank you. Eddie Panero, you're my guy. Shout out to uh, all the homies that hit me up on social media and said, <laughs> R.I.P. Elliot Fry, and I feel bad for him. Um, 
LFGL, Lefko Fantasy Gridiron League, the Let's Fucking Go League. The drafts are coming up. Uh, I think most people are drafting Thursday night. We will be headed to D.C., but we're going to find a way to get to a hotel quickly and, and do our drafts. You're drafting. Uh, has that, have you gone onto the sleeper app yet and looked around? Yes, I have. And also I've been in a nice little chat thread. Shout out to the let's fucking go league. Uh, the, my like 12 that I'm doing the, yeah. the league with. They were like, what's the name of your league? Do you know? Oh God. It, it's something funny. Oh, I've totally forgot. I should have looked. Shout out up. to all the great. I know one of them was like sharp foot, like Warren Sharp has an amazing mustache. <laughs> oh, it's called uh let he was without Sims cast the first stone. <laughs> Say, what was it? Let he who is without Sims cast the first stone. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, what pick do you have? I have the 11th pick, which I like. I like that too. Yeah. So Because I think it's like McCaffrey and Kamara and all that stuff. That's going to sort itself out. Whoever falls to me, I'll grab him and I'll be happy with it. And I won't be bummed when like the guy that I picked number three overall gets injured. I just let whoever comes to me at 11, whether it's, you know, yes, whoever. I, I don't know who it's going to be. If it's so DeAndre shout Hopkins. Out, shout out to William Ezel uh, for helping set up. If you're listening right now and you're like, holy crap, I I still haven't heard back. DM William Ezel on Instagram at WGE, the number two. So WGE two, and he might be able to help you out. But I, th- I think we're we're kind of closing in now. Uh, you guys are incredible for doing this. My league, uh, and I'm in Ezel's league, my league is called the Capital. Mm. And he asked me what I wanted to be called. And I said, I want to be called the Capital. Because my league is, in my mind, in like Hunger Games. I was going to say, it's Hunger Games. It's the Capital. And the other 90-something leagues are all the districts. Uh-huh. And everybody wants to kick my ass. Yeah. So we'll see what happens into the year. I'm hoping I can be—I think Ezel's in my league, too. He got that honor. Uh, but, yeah, we're the capital. So you're the capital, and then, like, you're just— You're, like, District 12. The other, the other 96 districts are just fighting each other for your amusement. Until well, they're ready to, for the big the big matchup. I honestly think it, it might be something we do next year where— um, that league is like whoever are like the champion gets to be in that league too. Yeah, uh, maybe you'll be. In, I, I kind of like you in another league though. I'm just I'm just out here in my Get satellite in the league. But so I got the first pick, and I told Ezel I was like, bro, you didn't have to do that. He goes, I randomized it, and you sure. got first. Yeah, you a one in twelve shot. Yeah, should I announce who I'm taking? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I told everybody that I was going with Travis Kelsey, and they were like, ooh, wild card. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going Travis Kelsey. You should take Eddie Pinero. A lot of field goals this really year. Fucking funny. Um, but also, what is your what is your relationship with fantasy football right now? I'm glad you asked. Uh, I've been playing it probably every year except for one year uh, where I just didn't email the guy back in time. It was oh. my, my buddy. I've been in this league for seven years, and you get the email in July, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. And then I just completely forgot, yeah. and they got another guy in the league. So I played every year except for one since I'm like 15 years old. And every year, uh, I don't enjoy it, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do it every year. It, it's I get so excited here, and then like week six, I'm like, why am I spending so much fucking time on Tuesday nights preparing for the waiver wire? Yeah, this is not productive. What I so it's that thing of you make the right decision based on whatever Yahoo told you or whatever sleeper app tells you. This guy's going to score 17 points, but this guy's going to score 14 points. So you put the 17 point guy in your starting lineup, and you sit the 14 point guy. Of course, the guy that you played shits the bed and has one catch for nine yards. The guy you put on the bench like threw a touchdown pass randomly, and like you know had nine receptions. It's it's that thing that just drives you crazy. But what I was going to say is around week seven or eight is when I check in with how much I hate it and I email my friends. And what I like is when my team is pretty good and I'm like six and two or five and three and I'm yeah. in the mix. I then have a lot more impact when I say that I hate fantasy because no mm. one thinks I'm a poor sport. 
Oh. If your team sucks and you go fantasy football sucks, they're like, "Well, you're just saying that because that's just because you drafted you drafted a shitty team, Leonard man." Fournette and he got hurt. It's yeah. like no, even when my team's doing well, I still I get stressed about it. I feel bad about myself. Uh, my wife, tr- I mean, could not give less of a shit. I'm I'm sitting there watching football on a Sunday, and I'm like, "How are you not throwing the ball to Des Bryant? What's yeah. going on?" And uh, and and she's like, "Is this you're you're a Patriots fan? Like, why are you getting so upset about like yeah. a random Cowboys Bengals game?" I would estimate. That I've done in the last month, upwards of six hundred mock drafts. <laughs> it's not an exaggeration. Is that the sleeper he... app? You can crank out like forty mocks an hour. You're like one of those online poker. And then players. I go on Yahoo, and I'm like doing a mock on Yahoo, and like by the second round, it's all become automation. So it's like people just it's like accounts drafting whoever's first. By the way, one note. I have a feeling that the sleeper drafts are alphabetical. So, like, right. please don't come unprepared to your draft and then, like, expect to take who the number one person is there. And you're looking at, like, Amir Abdullah. And you're like, what the fuck? That would be funny, though, with uh, 1,200 people or whatever it is in your league. Amir Abdullah will end up being, like, the most drafted guy in the league. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if you look down someone's fantasy draft and, like, it's all A's and B's, then you know that they just were just clicking, clicking, oh, clicking. It's really, it'll be the same way that Magic Johnson makes his lists. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, in your draft, this is something that I think uh, will impact everybody. If Zeke is available when you're drafting, do you take him? It depends on value, right? I know that's a, okay, that's well, a crap at eleven. Answer. At 11, no, I'm not taking Zeke at 11. Isn't that wild? No, because he might be like, he might miss six weeks, and I would rather have a a less good running back for 16 what about weeks. What about in the, in the second round, second pick of the second round? Uh, if he's still there, I might text you in a panic and be like, what should I do? <laughs> I think I just think it's really interesting, and I think uh, to take real football and to talk about fantasy football, Le'Veon Bell was the first time where we saw this happen, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had a, a lot of guys, like so. My two instances, I had one dude in my league, Torge, that drafted Le'Veon Bell, and I was like, I am not drafting him at all, and he did, and I had James Conner, mm. and so he went through a whole year, and he feels bad about it, of course. Uh, I hosted an auction draft and the number one player that was bought that was argued over the most was Le'Veon Bell and in auction drafts you get about $200 somebody spent 90 of their $200 almost 50% of their money on Le'Veon Bell right and they didn't make the playoffs and so I think this is the first year because we saw someone actually do it where before it would go Zeke misses one or two weeks what do you do now? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, shit, man, this might keep going on. And then when you factor in what's happened where Jerry Jones is going Zeke who, and they're pumping up Tony Pollard, it, it becomes like, I might still get great value for Zeke in the beginning of the second round, but like, do I want a sure thing? And I don't even want to deal with that shit. Yeah. And sometimes you just make a, a decision right there in the moment. It's like the poker table. Sometimes, you know, you're making the, the right call or you're making the wrong call, but you're like, I have to see the, what this guy has. I have to see if this guy's bluffing me. Sometimes you just, you're sitting there and all, everything in the back of your mind is screaming. This is a danger pick. Like Zeke might, you know, might not be getting you good value here in the second round, but you just, you see his name out there and you're like, I just want him on my team. What I just about want Melvin Gordon? Team. Melvin Gordon, uh, I would not be surprised if he doesn't play at all this year. And, That's how I feel. And it feels like that could be a, a bitterness situation where they limit his carries just to like prove mm. a point. I don't know. So I, what round would you even think about drafting Melvin Gordon in? 
I've uh, done so many mocks. Yeah, you're you're I'm talking... seeing like so I'm seeing uh some mocks I see Zeke go in the top four. Mm-hmm. Some mocks I see Zeke go in the bottom four of the first round. But you can't base I've anything. I've never on that. seen him leave the first round. Really? But I mean mocks, it's like it's it goes. Mocks by, are the preseason NFL. You can't base anything based on the score of a No, but a, just like you're talking about poker, you're not always playing what the hands are, you're playing the person. Yeah. And so mocks give you a good example of ADP, average draft position, yeah. and where they're going. I have not seen Zeke leave the first round. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon, I'm seeing going anywhere from the second to the fourth. So that's the range. I had fourth round in my head. I still don't know if I would take Melvin Gordon in the fourth. Hmm. I can get a pretty good running back that I know is going to play right. in the fourth round. Amir Abdullah. So, amazing. Right there at the top <laughs> of the list. Uh, and I followed up with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, followed by N. Ardvark. And uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, but I, I think it's—and then what about Antonio Brown? Would you draft Antonio Brown? with Hell all the, yeah. Would you? I believe. Last night's episode kind of got me believing again. Are we talking hard knocks now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I raised it from the dead. Okay. Um, I thought last night's episode or this week's episode was the best hard knocks of the season. Uh, yeah, I, I got totally sucked in on Waller. I'm like, I'm a believer in the redemption What's story. What's interesting is talk about a fantasy guy. Like, he was like an under-the-radar fantasy guy. Tight and ends. And now I think he gets like the hard knocks bump. I'm saying, because everyone's talking like Kelsey Ertz and your guy Kittle. Right, yeah. like that's that's your undisputed top three, and Kelsey, then everything else Kittle, is a fall off. Hurts. Then there's that second wave of like OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, and uh, Evan Ingram. But like we as fantasy players yeah. are waiting for someone to like rise from the ashes of that second, third tier and be. This like, is like the sixth tier. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. if, Der- if, if Waller just comes in and is like he becomes like he and Derek Carr are buddies, I think there's Antonio a- Brown's like hobbling around, so they got to go somewhere else too. Yeah, like Hunter no, Renfro's too small in the red zone. Like you just get yeah, he Hunter might be Renfro. I, I simultaneously feel so bad for him. No, nah, dude. He's having the best season. I, dude, everyone's shitting on him all the time in these but episodes. That's his life. That's what he was like. He's a five foot ten white guy. Like he, the fact that the fact that Gruden's like, we want to get bigger, stronger, faster, so he drafted this guy. Ass, dude. And Hunter Renfro's like, oh guys, like why are you making fun of me? But then they showed his clips from Clemson and I got hyped. Yeah, but like he, they weren't showing it to him. So that was something as a fan that you were like, "Holy fuck! Look at that spin move! Look at that stiff arm by Hunter Renfro." He's athletic but as the hell. The only clips with Hunter Renfro in it were Derek Carr being like, "What's wrong with your receding hairline?" And Hunter Renfro <laughs> being like, "Every every Renfro from generations has had this hairline." He's like, "No, nah, man, then, you're 37 then, years old." And then Gruden. And then, but the thing is, I love is Gruden loves him. Gruden's oh, like, yeah. Gruden's like, look at Renfro. That's my guy, oh, I love Renfro. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Renfro's doing it for the unathletic, like Hunter Renfro's really doing it for all the guys in their beer league softball who think they can make it. You just accidentally said he's unathletic. I think he's actually very athletic, but we're being oh, tricked yes. by, like, we're we're thinking that he's kind of this, like, what slow I was, lumbering I was guy. Aesthetically, right. he does not look athletic. If he walked into a bar, you wouldn't be like, that guy plays in the NFL. No, I'd be like, <laughs> if I had to fight one guy in this yeah. bar, I'm most confident against Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Also, his name is Hunter Renfro. Yeah. You know, uh, but I, I felt bad for him. They they were talking about his singing the entire time. Uh, but oh, that, I, I the love happy that he's birthday, the happy birthday. Does singing. John Gruden not know how to sing happy birthday? So I, I, I've had this discussion because, you know, I've worked in music and stuff in, in my past. And I worked with this amazing music director. His name is Brian Yusufer. He's the music director of like some Broadway shows and stuff that you've heard of. Any big ones? 
Oh yeah, Book of Mormon, oh, Frozen. Shit. Yeah, yeah. He's holy worked, shit. He's worked on some major, major stuff. Anyway, he and I were talking, about, and he's an incredible musician, but not a great singer. And he would sing something like this: "Would be like Happy Birthday to you." Like that's about how he would sing. No, but that's like, the how notes you sing are Happy correct. Birthday. But the notes are correct. Yes, like, you don't have to be a good singer in order to have the notes correct. It's just like when I ask for your phone number, you don't go eight six seven four three two one. No, there's a pattern. It's ba 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 ba. Happy Birthday is ba 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 ba. Ba, ba. It's I'm not, not on a, fucking Broadway. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to be a good singer in order to sing the recognizable melody of the song. And not he went, that. happy birthday to you. I'm like, what is in your ears? That, that's the way you thought the song goes. Not only that, he didn't give the pause. People go, let's sing happy birthday for David. <laughs> One, two, three. He went, let's sing happy birthday for David. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was driving me crazy as someone that loves music. It's like, dude, just sing the song normal. Just. I, I also love, too, that there's that really awkward moment. Da, 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 da. And then, like, you're like, what name are we saying? Mike. Mike. Or it's also like GM. GM Mayock, Mike Mayock. Mike yeah. Mayock. Like, people that say full names in the happy birthday song are so fucked up. We're lucky. Your name's Adam. My name is David, right? Like, it's Two easy syllables? to sing. Yeah. Happy birthday, dear David. It's yeah. easy. It's done. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, dear Anastasia. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. I was, I was like, I don't think John Gruden knows any of this. And it made me think, like, is John Gruden such a football guy that no one ever celebrated his no, birthday? No, that's not it. That's not it. That, I promise you that? that's not it. It's that thing where people get in their head. There's two skills in life where people say, I suck at it, and then they give up on it. It's Public singing speaking and, and drawing. Ooh. People say, I suck at drawing, and then they intentionally tank any doodle that they do for the rest of their life. They, yeah. And then when, they, when someone says, like, I suck at singing, that's fine to suck at singing. But you can still sing, like, yes. with a gesture toward the song that you're attempting to perform. I've also, by the way, completely changed uh, how I do birthday songs now. Okay. I only do the Stevie Wonder um, song. Happy birthday oh, that's great. to... Was that what he was trying to do? Because that's kind of the, the descending melody. No Happy. fucking way that John Gruden <laughs> was doing... Now, like... I, I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody, or whatever. But my fiance tells me that's the black happy birthday song. Happy birthday! And what's really funny is, is we went to a birthday party where I was like the only white guy there, and we're in the middle of a restaurant, and they're like, "All right, let's sing happy birthday." And I'm pretty sure the waitress went with happy, and the whole table went happy birthday to you. <laughs> and what's really funny is, is there's a part after you get done where it goes happy birthday. And that's when the entire fucking restaurant like turned and was like, what is going on right now? Because it was so musical and it was so in sync and I was enjoying every second of it that I've just decided that's the birthday song I want. That's great. That's what I want. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind the classic because I love the when people are clapping, uh, people getting into it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good song. Better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other hard knock stuff. Um, we we finally got behind the scenes reactions mm -hmm. to the Antonio Brown story. Yeah. That's what you were took, waiting for in week two. And it took Drew Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus going up to Gruden. I think we got this figured out. I think we're going to make this work. Yep. You know, Gruden and Mayock reacting. We got him. We finally got him here. Blah, blah, blah. We're seeing Antonio Brown interacting with people, getting that double drip, you know, that, that really juicy Gatorade. Um, uh, talking about his feet. Oh man, I cut it off. I, I want to say this too. We can we can make fun of Antonio Brown and we can get annoyed at this storyline and talk about how it's frustrating. But I also want to say this. He's a fucking baller. Mm -hmm. The fact that he is still getting things cut off of his feet and he's still going, I need to go and run today. Mm -hmm. 
Men lie, women lie, analytics don't lie. Oh, that was interesting, that little like stat cast thing that they Love did on the last time. As much as we want to say that Antonio Brown has ego, as much as we want to say that he's being a distraction, one thing I will never say is that dude isn't working his ass off. Mm-hmm. If my if the bottom of my feet were falling off of the bone. Ain't no way I'm running to see how it feels today. But he's that much of an intensity. He has in his brain, there are certain athletes that have this ability to go, adversity makes me stronger. That's all I've done. I'm not built like that. I don't think you're built like that. Like, we're good against adversity, Oh no, but I there's a, a point. I had a slip disc in my back, and, like, I haven't played sports in, like, 11 months as a result of it. Like, I'm not pushing anything. There's no upside to me doing that. Yeah, you're that. like, yeah, something wrong with my elbow. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's—I just want to—I don't want it to come off as though— um, uh, that every time we talk about him being an annoyance, that we don't appreciate what he's going through right now. Mm-hmm. To make was it dumb that it happened? Sure. Is it impressive what he's doing to get back? Very much so in my mind. Uh, I thought the John Abram conversation on the bench, where they were talking about getting cotton mouth on the field mm-hmm. and needing to chew gum, and then like Jonathan Abram and Vontez Perfect being like, "I've probably swallowed two hundred pieces of gum in my life," <laughs> and like the the future parent in me was like, "Stop." Swallowing gum. <laughs> That's the one rule you learn when you're six years old. It's and then stick in your system for nine years or whatever. And then to hear Whitehead was like, yo, that's why you guys are constipated all the time. Your stomach is full of gum. <laughs> like I, like John Abram, like I'm really worried right now for you, bro. What about John Abram next to our guy Clint Oldenburg? That's, yes. Madden, Madden ratings adjuster. Clint Oldenburg. Man, you guys will see. Coming up on Ditch the Playbook. Uh, but no, that it was funny to see like my NFL son and then like... Clinton Oldenburg, Your Madden friend. Yeah. My Madden friend. Um, anything else from the show that kind of stuck out to you? Salad of the year. What? Luke Wilson's hair. He's got that beautiful salad just flowing in the, br- the breeze on that boat. I have, I have drank with, uh, drank, is that the right term? I have drunk, yeah. I drank I, with him where I have drunk. I drank with Luke Wilson uh-huh. and I've like kind of kicked it with him. When he said he should be a hockey player. Oh, 100%. When you, he's like, bro, just letting you know. Like he has that <laughs> hockey vibe to him. You're familiar with the Minnesota hockey videos that come out every year, right? Okay, so it's like. When do they come out? I, I don't know. They're like these beautiful unicorns that just pop out of nowhere. Yeah, Google, and, uh, guys, Google Minnesota hair hockey. Yeah. That should get you to it. It's like this random dude that, <laughs> so there's a big hockey tournament in Minnesota every year, the States, and these kids grow out these luxurious manes and they they're like amazing. skate out. And so you have these videos where they like skate out and then like flip their hair. But now they're in on it. All these now guys want to be in, in the video. It. So, and everyone's trying to reach the top 10 and the dude that does the video has this beautiful Minnesota Accent, so funny. Where he's like, take a look at the lettuce here on old Johnny Sweet. Oh man, really good flow. So as like what I was, he's working with. As I was watching that video, and I see like Luke Wilson just hanging on a boat with his dad with like that's those sunglasses and just yeah. like just looking up at the Golden Gate Bridge. I was like, that dude needs to be in a salad video. At Last some point. thing I'll end this episode with was I think uh part of what added to John Gruden's legacy was the fact that he was mic'd up for the Super Bowl when Tampa Bay beat Oakland. This is one of my theories that um, because he gave access to a game in which they beat the other team by 30, there are clips that whenever people are showing Super Bowl stuff, we always see John Gruden going, boom, 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 yeah! (laughs) Like, you always see that. And then in the episode for the preseason game, he goes, boof! And I go, did you just yell boof? Like, what the fuck? I have a theory about that, that uh, AB came into town and booming is his thing. 
Did you see so those on the back of his thing? I did see that. It was yeah. like this cool little, like, I guess it was a hand warmer or whatever that thing no, was. No, that's, it's like a back pad. It's a support or yeah. something. Yeah. It looked like one of those, like, back muffs that, like, Jim Kelly used to wear back oh, in the day, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, but I was like, it looked like it's 90 degrees out there. Uh, but yeah, so so if AB's coming in, it's like, boomin's my thing. And Gruden's like, well, I can't just, like. So I'm boofing? I'm boof. I have a feeling that I might be saying a word that's like an urban dictionary thing. So let me just double check this really quick. I know boff is a word that's used for, like, Mary boff kill instead of the way boof. People, a jump over hydraulic backwash in a high gradient mountain river, an action anal- analogous to a skier jumping a cliff. And in terms of urban dictionary, yeah. We're going to say that it's the skiing one. It's the skiing one. It's the skiing one. I'm not even going to look it up on Urban Dictionary. It's okay. the skiing one. Or it's just a slip of the tongue from Gruden and there's nothing to do with any of this. It's the skiing one. <laughs> okay. Uh, you have a theory about Antonio Brown just to wrap up Hard Knocks, which uh, good job, HBO. Yeah. Uh, my thing, and, and you've had this experience as much as anyone when you get someone in the booth with you. Right. It's a very different experience to criticize them, not to their face as to their face. And a lot of people are tough guys on Twitter. A lot of people are just like sports fans in a bar and they're saying like, man, I would say to Antonio Brown, this, that and oh, the other yeah, totally. about the helmet. You're being a baby. You're being a diva. You're being a whatever. Oh, how, then, about, hold on, how about our, how about our uh, uh, poker dealer? He was like, you got a problem with it. Go drive a bus. <laughs> and I was like, your advice to an NFL player is to go drive a bus. I know it's crazy, but it's easy to say that stuff. But then you see John Gruden in that final five minutes of the episode and Antonio Brown's like thanks for having my back out there and Gruden, that was amazing and what's Gruden supposed to do be like hey man uh, you're a jerk like no he's like he's like hey man you're on this team we, we love you you're back and and to me it's it's kind of indicative of uh, everyone has that friend that's in a, a not great relationship, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their husband, their yeah. wife, whatever, and they're complaining to them, you know, to you about them. And then they say all these things. They're like, man, I don't like that she does this. I don't like that he does this, blah, blah, blah. And they're saying all that stuff. And then when they're actually back together, they're like, I love you, honey. They never actually like say those things out right, loud. Right. And it's kind of this, I think it's going to be this season long saga where we love Antonio Brown. He's so charismatic. They never actually say the thing they need to say to his face. Mm. And it's going to be this kind of tricky thing that uh, Mike Mayock and, and Gruden and some of the other receivers that they're going to have to navigate because they're going to be like, you know, saying some stuff behind his back and I wish he wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. But then when he's in the room, they're like, AB, there's my guy. Like that, when he was dapping everybody up when he first arrived at camp, they couldn't, it looked like Santa Claus had just arrived. They were so excited it to did. see him. Richie Incognito is delighted to see him. Like everyone you was. You noticed that Richie Incognito and AB had the exact same conversation. I, they never had I the first conversation. Yeah. I, hey, you're a big dude. Yeah, I am. The. I, I've always said to, you know, the phrase ignorance is bliss. Of course. It's beyond true where you look at people and when you're a self-aware human, you look at people that are not self-aware and there's part of you that goes, I wish I couldn't even process my own emotions that I could live life in bliss like you. There is a thing with some football players and football coaches where I have that, where John Gruden and AB can look at each other and go, man, once we cut out this noise, everything is going to be great. That they can put everything on anybody other than the 53 people in that locker room, that they can blame every issue that they have on their lives on reporters and media and fans and blogs. And and then, but they can look at each other and go, but I know you got my back. And there's something so ignorant about that where you're like, 
No, like you're creating this mess. Like the comments you made last week are what's causing this issue right now. And now that I'm saying it out loud, it makes me understand why life is so hard for them mm. when they get out of their careers, because there's no longer this like random assortment of humans that you can blame your issues on. But in the meantime, I look at them and that's all they kept saying, man, once we get past this noise, oh, it's all the outside world. It's all the outside world. It's like, nah, bro, it's fucking you. But. But he didn't say j- any of that. He no. just he just was like, "We're great to have you. We love you, Antonio." No, 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 no. He did. He go. He goes. Oh, he, he did say a little bit. He like goes. He goes football first. He goes. He goes. Thank you for. He says thank you for having my back. He goes. Man, you know how it is. He goes. Listen, I know it's tough because you're like a corporation, but like once we get in here, and then Antonio Brown's like, "Oh yeah, we gonna yeah, everything gets shut down, man. Life is easy at that point." And there's there's something beautiful about that. And then there's also something where I'm like, "It's not true. <laughs> Leave it up." All right. Um, Uh, The only other thing I was going to say, I'm just going to touch on the Dallas situation really quick. I do think it's kind of crazy that Dallas is giving the money to Jalen Smith Mm. as they're very publicly dealing with Zeke and Jerry Jones is like making it worse and worse and worse every time he talks and they're dealing with Dak and they're dealing with Amari Cooper. And I thought the quote that was the most interesting thing about Jerry Jones that he said was someone asked you know, are you confident you can get team-friendly deals done with Dak, Zeke, and Amari? And he said, look, I'm not going to speculate, but the way to get this deal done is people have to have a little more thought about team, and that's certainly in Jalen's mind. So what what Jerry Jones is saying is, Jalen is not taking the highest paid linebacker. I think he ended up being somewhere around like eight or nine. He's taking a team-friendly deal, and we're going to pay him. Jalen is our friend and we'll pay him. It's just, it's setting me up to really not have faith that Zeke's going to come back. Right. Because if Jerry is coming out there being like, you need to take a team friendly deal and Zeke's like, no. It's really fun when a multi-billionaire tells people that are trying to get their multi-million dollar contract that they need to like really, you know, think about the team. I I find that stuff. If we're going to win, you need to take less. Go fuck yourself, bro. Go fuck yourself. Really, especially from billionaires, you're absolutely right. I don't know why fans aren't like cagier about this. Like, like people, because fans they want the best team possible. So sometimes they're rooting for their favorite athletes to take a slightly less money in order to help the team. And I get that. Like, we're all aware of salary deals, but it just feels very disingenuous for a person who's worth five, ten, I don't know, billion dollars to say, hey. You should, instead of taking, you know, an $80 million contract, it would be really great if you took a $60 million contract because, you know, hey, be, be there for the team. And it's like, dude, you're a billionaire. Yes. But I do think that I was right originally when Jerry thought that him defending Zeke was the reason he thought he had leverage. Because when he was asked about the joke where he said, Zeke who? He said, I've earned the right to joke about Zeke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you believe that he owes you something. You absolutely do. And and you know what? There's probably a part of Zeke that does own Jerry Jones a little bit. But you have one chance to make your money. I just think that I have a feeling that Zeke is going to miss at least a game or two. And if Tony Pollard is as good as they think he is and they're able to win some games, they will get the leverage. But if they're not... If they lose to the Giants in week one, which would be crushing to them. And let's say the running game starts out slow. I don't have confidence in Jerry 
Like everyone would go, oh, they got to pay Zeke now. I have a feeling that Jerry's going to double down. This is my prediction that if they lose earlier, the running game's not great, that Jerry Jones is going to double down on that sentiment and saying that Zeke needs to be more of a team player. He needs to help us or this season's going to get away from us. It's like politicians. They're just playing like they they think that they can get 51% of Cowboys fans on their side if they say X, Y, or Z. I, I think that if it starts out slow and Jerry calls out Zeke for being not a team player, we might not see Zeke. Wow. I just think it could make it worse. But he might still be on my fantasy team at that point, and then I, then I have a real right to complain. Um, the only thing I wanted to say before we get to the whoa big off-seasons is the Baker Mayfield GQ comments about Daniel Jones. And it's interesting because this is the third time in my recent recollection where a prominent NFL player is claiming to be taken out of context. Uh, one was Odell Beckham, where comments about uh, leaving the Giants came out in an article about him getting ready to walk the red carpet for what's the big uh, Vanity Fair party. Uh, there was the Baker Mayfield one. And then the one that I'm less inclined to believe is the Jalen Ramsey one where he talked a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is the quote, the quote was, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones. Blows my mind. Some people overthink it. What makes a good quarterback? That's where they go wrong. They forget you've got to win. Then Dacre Mayfield came out and said that he actually reached out to Daniel Jones to clear the air, clarify the comments. He was confused about the GQ story because that wasn't what the conversation was. And then what happened, it split into two factions in the media. Some people going, hmm, I wonder what actually happened here. And the other one going, the media is never wrong. Why would they take this out of context? Maybe you should stop fucking talking to people. Oh, it's always the media's fault. And it turns into like this weird, like enemy of the state turning into like backlash of media feeling sensitive because of all the Donald Trump stuff and like bleeding over into sports where they're like, it's not the media's fault. And I want to say that media... If you also want to say that you're human all the time when people attack you, also say that you're human sometimes and you take people out of fucking context. And I don't know what happened. I just know this, that if I'm an NFL athlete and I'm about to do a day-long photo shoot with GQ and I'm shooting the shit with a reporter that time and I've been dealing with NFL reporters that get me at max 15 minutes of the time and there's probably a point in the interview where I'm sitting across from you and we're doing a formal interview that probably the shoot and the shit part probably hasn't been outlined to me that all of that stuff is also fair game. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, there, there needs to also be a human aspect of these athletes where like you're getting 12 hours of like, like uh, I just don't expect GQ to get any more interviews like this, or it better be like, this is off the record. I just think that I worry that these guys are being taken advantage of sometimes. It's the same reporter and all this shit, Ingber. Yeah. I looked it up in, in my ideal world. Uh, you know, when you read an article that's like, here's what happened in a certain trial. And by the way, if you want to read the entire trial, here's a 400 page link, right? I wish in sports that this, this could happen, that he's like, here's what the quote was. And here's a gigantic transcript of everything we talked about that day. That would be my ideal world. And that like, if you were some intrepid reporter, you could go in and find out, was it actually out of context or not? Because I don't, again, I don't know what happened, but I do feel like quote, I was taken out of context end quote has become like a crutch for some people after they regret saying something. Uh, I think the, phrase sucks. 
taken out of context. It's because it, that's 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 just become an eraser it phrase. Like for, I think that was way harsher than what I meant. Because a lot of people, the sentiment might have been that Baker still felt that taking Daniel yeah, Jones we, was not what great. What he can't say, which is probably the truth. Honestly, we were shooting the shit. I didn't know he was recording, and I would never say those sentiments publicly. Right. But that means he still believes those things. Yeah, which so is fine. Taking out of context is the same thing as my account has been hacked. Has been, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's we don't believe you. It, yeah. it, it makes us not believe you. But really, in my mind, it's if I'm doing a cover story with GQ and they tell me what it's going to be about, and then you throw in two to three paragraphs where I'm shitting on another guy, and it's completely, like, apropos to nothing, and there was no reason for being in the story, you're putting in there to get clicks, bro. You are. And you're taking a moment in a 12-hour session where the athlete probably didn't know he was on the record. In my because mind, can I tell you something? Yeah. I know that's what happened to Odell Beckham. Mm. I have sources yeah. that when he did his interview, that he was, like, talking about fashion for three fucking hours, and he's talking about what he's wearing, and that was the whole point of the piece. And then a can't like there was a, a random conversation about the Giants, and then that's what they led with, and that's what they put in all their promo shit. Yeah. And he was not trying to do that. And so, and they save those articles for like two months and they release it like when it's in the prime NFL, like why would Baker Mayfield say this now? He said it three months ago when nobody was fucking talking about it. No one it. thinks about that. Especially like th that happens all the time when someone films a commercial, yes. right? If like a commercial with Peyton Manning comes on right after Peyton Manning throws an interception, they're like, well, he should stop screwing around recording commercials. It's like he did that eight months ago, probably. Yes. He probably recorded that eight months ago and now he's playing football and you know what I mean? Like. People don't think about that timing of stuff. Yeah. But people are like, oh, he got taken out of context when he completely said those things. And it's like, we have been going through shooting this show, booking people's times and allocating time and all that stuff. And it's like, if I was talking to um, an NFL player that's going to be on Ditch the Playbook this season, mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation and the, and the cameras were rolling and the mic was going on, and an NFL player said, honestly, I think Bill Belichick cheats all the time. I'm not fucking airing it because I know that that was a when you change the tone of your voice or you're not directly standing in front of camera. Yeah, I'm not fucking airing that. Ask any sound guy in the world. What's the craziest thing you've overheard? They're like, oh, dude, name, you know, celebrity actor. A. Yes. I heard them say this, that and the other. But we're not going to do it because they didn't know they were being recorded at the time. They just had a mic on there. And so yeah. I'm not trying to pick a fight with every fucking media member. That's traditional media outlets. That's typically a written reporter because God forbid they ever get questioned. My thing is just like, I'll, I'd be willing to bet a large sum of money that he didn't realize. And if, and if you're going to come to me and go, well, he should know he's talking to a reporter, calm the fuck down. Like you're, you're not, you're not reporting on like state secrets right now. <laughs> you're not reporting on things that actually matter. No, you fucking use that kid. And like, if your whole thing is th then guess what? Like, I'm going to tell you that everything is off the record. Everything. And then afterwards, we'll sit down and we'll figure out what we want to use. You know what I mean? Like, I'll make those decisions later. Can I also I just say— It's a dangerous game. Am I, I getting just, too emotional about this? No, it's fine. I, I like it because you're, you, like, you like protecting the players. That, that's your, and that's I've, your game. And I've been the reporter. Like, I've, yeah. I've been on that side, and I know what been it takes to, like, 
acquire time with these guys. And this might be a thing off to the side, but can I just say I want to live in a world where it's okay for one quarterback to say that a different quarterback wasn't a great draft pick, and that's an okay, reasonable opinion to have. Like, you might have think he was a little too effusive in the way he said it. You might think, hey, you know, these players, they shouldn't be knocking each other. They should be building each other up. It's like, they're rivals. They should want to beat each other. I think the, the Browns should want to beat Daniel Jones in the Super Bowl. Like, it's fine for these guys to talk trash. We shouldn't, like, have a, a referendum on yeah. the state of sports because Baker Mayfield thinks that Daniel Jones was not a great pick before he's thrown a single pass. We should be okay with that. We should be encouraging players to say, you know, kind of cool takes about each other. Well, you know what I love? I just realized I love the fact that it's a Midwest city that never gets respect mm. against New York. New York City. I man. love that it's Dave Gettleman versus John Dorsey. Mm-hmm. I love that it's Odell feeling disrespected. I love that it's Baker Mayfield going, oh, that's your new king? Fuck your new... Like, I, there is something about that, and I wish they could play this year. I can already tell you the NFL is probably circling that to make that a Monday night, Sunday night football game next year. Uh, Cleveland will be in town week two to play the New York Jets, mm-hmm. and the Left Coast Show will be tailgating, doing a live show. So that's I'm going to wrap that up. Um, Yeah, I'm not saying that anyone there was right. I just, okay, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) Nick, it is time for us to take a stroll down to... Whoa! 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 Big off season. Way to be on it, Nick. By the way, that last big off season. That is Nick's voice. Hey. Nick Giagrande. All right. Uh, first one comes from uh, a joint practice between the Eagles and the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Kemsky, Philly reporter, he said Lamar Jackson just juked the blank out of LJ Fort so badly that Fort went to the ground, drew an O from both sides. Or you think it was an ooh? I don't know what it is. It's, it's a bunch of O's with an H at the end. Is that an ooh or an O? I think it's an O. I think the H changes it from an O to an O. Got it. Uh, From both sidelines, I honestly thought for a second Fort might have torn an ACL LOL. First of all, don't LOL someone's torn ACL. (laughs) That's why I think it's... (laughs) Jimmy is very funny, though. Jimmy Jimmy is this guy that if you follow him, he'll also do, like, stick figure art all the time. I've seen this, though. Um, What I love is now I needed this. It's the second offseason in a row where Lamar Jackson has drawn O's or O's. Yeah. Last year, they were like, oh, and then he, he busted someone up. But... I'm very confident in Lamar Jackson. Um, you know who else drew O's? Every single player at every pickup game ever for doing like one cool crossover and hitting a J. Like that's why it's a great well. <laughs> totally. All right. Uh, next one is I think a good commentary on just preseason football in general. Sure. It's from Dave Lombardi. Uh, Kyle Shanahan on first team offense. If you get concerned over ten plays, that's pretty irresponsible. So pretty much what Kyle Shanahan's doing right there is being like. You're not realizing that you're whoa big off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what I, I had people coming up to me in Vegas going, "You worried about Jimmy Garoppolo?" Like I'm seeing reputable NFL media people being like, "He threw five interceptions in practice." Yeah. Whoa big off season. Like who the fuck cares? This isn't real. Like everybody was going after the first game. Kyler Murray and this offense could be electric. After the second game, he sucks. What the fuck is wrong with <laughs> Kyler Murray? Wait, can I just? And then Cliff Kingsbury came out and said. We ran the same play. Like, we're not running, like, we're not doing anything. And then when Kyler Murray came up to Antonio Brown, was like, yo, you guys were blitzing me the whole game. They're like, that's what you're going to face. But Kyler Murray is kind of right where he's like, sure, you can blitz me all you want, but, like, why are you doing this in the preseason? Like, 
it, everyone goes, you can't learn anything from the preseason because everyone plays vanilla. And then when one team plays chocolate, when one team brings a full-out blitz, we're like, what's wrong with this team? And it's like, they're playing vanilla. I, it's just, Kyle Shanahan's right. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Big Derek Carr, right before that game, we're going back to hard knocks now, but Derek Carr, right before, he's like, all right, guys, let's go out there. Let's win. One, two, three, win. Right? I really wish that in an alternate universe, he was like, all right, guys, let's go out there. Let's run through our progressions. Let's get a lot of guys involved. Let's make sure the third and fourth stringers and get their place. stay healthy. And let's make sure that, you know, the final score doesn't matter because this is just preseason. All right, one, two, three. And then they all repeat everything that he just said as they're cheering. We're going to keep it light and we're going to keep <laughs> through our progression. Yeah, so I, I think um, it's... Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay. I love Sean McVay. Has just completely just flipped the script on the the preseason. He's like, I'm just not going to play any of my guys ever. And yet, and yet, all I ever hear when I say that I'm betting on preseason, people say, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And then when I say the preseason doesn't matter in terms of performance, they go, "I don't know." Preseason matters in terms of this. Preseason matters in terms of usage. Preseason matters in terms of formational usage. The only thing I'm looking at for preseason genuinely is rookies and how they look. Mm -hmm. That's our first time we get a glimpse of them. Because they're busting their asses out there. And then when Ben Roethlisberger is out there for 14 plays, James Conner's out there for 14 plays, and Vance McDonald's out there for 14 plays. I'm looking at usage because in years past, it might be James Conner eight and then Jalen Samuels four. And then I'm going, oh, it might be a rotation. James Conner is the guy. Yeah. You know, so that's the shit that matters. Okay, when they go 11 formation, there's three wide receivers out there. Who's in the slot? Because that's the shit that they're actually trying out. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to see where people are and the frequency of which they're playing. The results of the plays do not matter to me. Now, there are certain people where I go, David Johnson looks a little slow. I'll factor that away. But like... Successive play calls, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but it's I'm really cursing a lot. All right, last Woe Big Off season, I kind of put in there for you because it's kind of ridiculous, and I'm going to use this betting wise in two ways. So gloat in the glory of this Woe Big Off season. Yeah, I'm just going to read this and just let it like drip down my mouth like a beautiful steak, uh, like a plum, <laughs> like a juicy plum. This is a Woe stat from Tucker Boynton. In the last six regular and post seasons, the Patriots are 41 and three. That's a 932 winning percentage at Gillette after week four the last time Brady and Belichick lost at home regular season game after week four by more than a possession was week nine 2005 versus I assume Peyton Manning's Colts unless that was like a random Curtis Painter week 14 years ago yeah is the last time that the Patriots lost at Gillette after week four so there's a few ways I'm going to use this The Patriots, I would say for the last decade, have been very hit or miss in the first five to six weeks of the season. We remember every article that's come out saying this is is the end of the the dynasty. They're two and three. The most famous one being the three interception game against Kansas City when the reporters were asking, are you going to go to Jimmy Garoppolo? And that was we're on to Cincinnati, right? We're on to Cincinnati. Uh, I think it was 41 to 14 that game. And it was the most famous uh, example of this. Uh, Last year, they lost... They, I think they almost lost to the Texans. They lost the they lost game at the Titans and all that stuff. In betting the Patriots this year, I'm going to bet against them early, mm. and I'm going to bet with them late. Okay. Now the problem with betting with the Patriots after Week Four is that the lines suck. Yeah, they're favored by 13. But in Weeks Four, Five, Six, and Seven, the lines have not reached that point yet. So early on. I'm going to fade the Patriots. You're kind of thinking like a boxer, right? Where like Floyd Mayweather doesn't have to win the first round. 
He's no. feeling you out. And that's what they think of as the month of September. Absolutely. I'm just feeling out my opponents, feeling There's out the records. There's part of me that thinks that Bill Belichick runs very generic offense and defense the first, especially defense. His defense the first few weeks every year were like, what is, like they let up like 34 points to the Panthers two years ago. Right. And like 37 points to the Texans. And we go, what the fuck? And then like from that, th- this is two seasons ago, that Thursday night game against Tampa Bay on, they were the number one scoring defense in the NFL. There's part of me that thinks that Belichick says, I think that we could be generic enough to go two and three, three and two the first few weeks and, we'll turn and on the give Jets. nobody any fucking background information and then we can, because st- we'll have all the background information on everybody else and we'll steamroll and by the time you've figured it out in weeks 11 and 12, I've adjusted again and you can't even use um, you can't even use that background information to make it happen. Yeah. And I, I don't know. There's something to that. And so right now, I'm just letting you guys, from a betting perspective, I'm going to fade the Patriots early, pound the Patriots week six through, six through 12 when everyone's questioning them, and maybe I get it, and then stay away when they're favored. I think this is smart. This, I, look, it, it sounds good. The Patriots are the only thing that you can say uh, something consistent about year after year. They're the only team where you can be like, this is what they do in September, then yes. this is what they do in December, and yes. this is what they do in the playoffs. It's the only team where that's actually remotely accurate over any sort of sustained length of time. That feels really smart. Also, how did you feel when you found out that Josh Gordon got reinstated? I was delighted. I mean, Josh Gordon is amazing. I feel like, I said this to Manziel. Uh, I, I, hope he gets, I hope he gets the personal help that he needs. But I really feel like this, people were saying... Josh Gordon in New England, this is his last chance. If it doesn't work out there, it won't work anywhere. And what's funny is a lot of people think about the downside of that. They go, oh, it could all be over. But what they're not realizing is the phrase, if it doesn't work there, it won't work anywhere, means this is the best situation for him. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think it is. I think he's got, if Tom Brady puts his arm around you and says, we can make history. Maybe you can fight those demons. Mm-hmm. If Bill Belichick, who every player I've ever held, had come on this show, goes, he's the guy, he can speak to you like a man, and there's no bullshit, there's no ulterior motive. I'm, I'm hoping it turns around at the same point. Fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, other teams are just jealous because we picked up Josh Gordon, and like, that's the ultimate sign. You know that what they're jealous about pickup. is that you guys have two decades of infrastructure, of consistency, of a machine where there's no reinventing the wheel, there's no trying new stuff. It's, this is our system and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. No, nobody gets upset about, you know, the great uh, businesses and, and all that stuff, but they look at Bezos and they get jealous. Yeah. And and I, you guys are fucking incredible. We have Josh Gordon and Jarrett Stidham on the same roster. Can you believe it? You're loving Jarrett Stidham. I right love now. Jarrett Stidham. Uh, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, so I'm hoping to be able to officially announce to you guys next week uh, the some co-hosts. Uh, I swear to God, they're happening. Uh, and then next week, I want to do my big season prediction stuff where I'm going to pick the division champions, uh, the Super Bowl winner, uh, all that stuff. And then the week after that, we're ramping up to the first week of the year, Thursday night, September 5th. Bears, Packers, 100-year-old rivalry, and the day before that, Wednesday night, first episode of Ditch the Playbook. Ow, ow. Ow, ow, indeed. For Ingber, for Nick in the back, uh, love you guys. Holla, holla, holla. Kick some ass in the Let's Fucking Go League. Uh, And then also, I I should always do this before, your setup. I want to see your setup for the draft. 
I want to see what you guys are doing. Fucking love y'all. Enjoy yourselves. Holla, holla, holla. Talk to you later.